Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. The reading from Matthew, the 28th chapter. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am always with you to the very end of the age. May the grace of God bless us in hearing of these words. I recently bought a refrigerator, and you know, the buying appliances has changed. Perhaps some of you remember the day when, when you went to go buy an appliance, you went down to the store, and you talked to the salesman, and maybe you went to several stores, maybe you talked to your friends and family, and of course you were influenced by the commercials you saw on TV. Buying an appliance is different today. I went to my, um, I sat down at my computer, and I researched, I read the specifications, I compared models, and then I read reviews. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in the wrong spot. We got way in the wrong spot. We're probably having dueling So I read reviews. We're going to get there. Can you get to where the reviews are, Cassidy? There we are. So I read reviews. I read lots of reviews. I, the more the reviews, the better. Two or three, not enough. And I wanted to know what did people like about it, um, how long did it last, was it loud? You know, a refrigerator, you don't want it to be loud. And this is the one I finally picked It has a 4.4 star rating out of 5. And that star rating and the reviews are the reason that I chose this refrigerator. Anymore, I don't go to a hotel without reading the reviews. I don't don't go to a repair shop without reading reviews. I don't buy most anything online without reading reviews. I rely on reviews. Now, I know that some are fake. We all know that some are fake, but when there's a lot, I have confidence in those reviews. And in fact, it turns out I'm not the only one. According to a survey by Invesp, 88% of consumers trust online reviews as much as personal recommendations. So why do people leave reviews? Think about why maybe you have left reviews. There was a survey in 2022. And these were the top five reasons that people submitted reviews. The first was positive experience. Receiving product samples, a negative experience, incentives, and helping others. Notice that last one, helping others. Sociologists say that our willingness 
to share our experience with complete strangers online is pro-social. It builds social cohesion, and it is a goodness that we share with the world. That's why I leave reviews. I want to let others know people I don't even know. But if I've had a really good experience, I want to tell them and I want to highlight it. If I've had a really awful experience, I want to warn them. <laughs> people who write reviews, they, they're writing reviews for people they don't even know. They just want to help. And it changes things. It changed me. It was part of, it was the reason I decided to buy that refrigerator. So it affected my life. It determined what refrigerator was sitting in my kitchen. It changed my sense of confidence in what I was buying. It certainly changed the manufacturer and the economy of it. What we share with others changes lives. And the same is true about faith. So let's take a look at our reading that we heard this morning. This is the very last words of the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel, we hear that God became a human person, incarnated is the word, became flesh, became a human person, walked among us, cast out demons, cured people, but that is not the reason that God came to us as Jesus the Christ. Because not all demons were cast out. Not everybody was cured. The Gospels have a clear goal of what God was up to, of what, God, of what Jesus was up to. And it was to make disciples. Now some of you are thinking, wait a minute, Jesus came to save us. Which is true, yes. But we didn't start thinking it, about it that way for a thousand years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. When you read the Gospels, the point is about making disciples. And when we talk about salvation, the question is saved from what and saved for what? We are saved from a life outside of the kingdom of heaven, outside of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, which is right now and not yet. And we are saved for this life of discipleship, this life of living in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God where God always get what, gets what she wants. And Jesus was so committed to this mission that he accepted death on a cross. And then he conquered death by rising again. In the resurrection... He appeared to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and he said, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And they did. They went to Galilee. The 11 went to Galilee. There were 12. You know, Judas was one of them. And he had betrayed Jesus and then died by suicide. So there's 11. And they go to the mountain, right where Jesus told them to go. And then we are told when they saw him, they worshipped him and some doubted. Some translations say they doubted. The Greek literally is the ones doubted. So is it some of the ones doubted? Is it all of the ones doubted? 
I like the notion that it's all of them because I worship and I doubt. And then he gave them that great commission. It's the, it's the summation of everything he's been telling them all along. We can think of it as that last great coaching session. We call it the great commission. He's telling his disciples and he's telling us to Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is a painting inspired by the Great Commission by Nalini Jayasuriya, who's from Sri Lanka. Well, I want to take a look at that Great Commission and explore what Jesus is In that one sentence, we have four verbs. Go, make disciples, which is one word in Greek, baptize, and teach. And actually, that sentence has one main verb and three participles. So the English grammar enthusiasts here have already heard the participles. You heard baptizing, and you heard teaching. Go, actually, in the Greek, is a participle. The main verb is make disciples. So, why the enthusiasm about grammar, other than if you just love that kind of thing? When I hear go and make disciples, I hear two commands. Go somewhere, maybe I wouldn't have otherwise gone, and make disciples. But when, when make disciples is the main verb, the going is as you are going. As you are going about your life, as you are going where you're going to go, as you are going about your business, make disciples. And that's different. There's another big difference in the Greek. Both going and make disciples is in the aorist tense. See, it's getting pretty... Some grammar people, pretty excited. English does not have an AORS tense. Actually, English, we have very simple verb tenses. We have past, present, future, and a few little things to change about how long it lasts. But English is pretty simple. Greek, not simple. They have a ton of verb tenses, and AORS is one of them. And AORS is kind of like it began in the past, and it goes into the future, and it extends, or into the present and extends into the future, but it's really less about time and more about the totality of the action, the completeness of the action. When Jesus was baptized and the heavens broke open and we heard a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I am well pleased is in the aorist tense. We are hearing that the pleasing isn't just right now or in the future. It is the totality of Jesus' life that is pleasing to God the Father. So knowing that it's the aorist tense in the going and it's the aorist tense in the making of disciples, that is, in the all of your going, make disciples in the entirety of your life in all of your life, in all of the places you go, make disciples. This is a lifestyle command. It is a vocational 
And that changes the way we hear it. This this make disciples is not a task on a to-do list, but it is in the entirety of our life. Although the truth is, statistics would say, most of us don't share much faith outside of church. We might not even share much about faith inside the church. One researcher described mainline Christians like ourselves as functional atheists, that we profess believe in God, but we talk about God so little that we function like atheists. So why don't we talk about God? Why don't we share the good news? Well, maybe for some of us, maybe some of us here, it's not good news. We're still listening. We're still seeing people rejoicing, but that joy hasn't gotten into us. Stay tuned. Perhaps some of the reason we don't share our faith is because we have experienced others sharing their faith like a sell you Jesus or convince you or argue you into faith or guilt you into faith. And it didn't work for you and it was kind of icky. So you don't want to be part of it. Perhaps a reason we don't share our faith is because we have a history of religious violence that we can still taste. When the Reformation happened in the 1500s, within a hundred years, Europe was embroiled in religious wars of Christians killing Christians, and millions were killed. And we don't want to be part of that. And that religious violence... It's not terribly far away. This is a picture of a clan robe that was found in an attic in Silver City. Silver City was on a railroad line. You know, that's where they were doing the mining. Between, um, from Silver City to Boise, Cuna grew up as a railroad stop on the way to Boise. Historians tell us the Klan was never active, the Ku Klux Klan was never active in Silver City, but was active in Boise, and this robe probably came from Boise. And as late as the 1920s, the KKK was active, and they were not targeting blacks. There were no blacks. They were targeting Catholics. Religious violence. Right here, not very long ago. And we don't want to be part of that. But I wonder if the biggest reason why we don't share our faith is that we doubt that it matters, that it makes an impact. We're like those first disciples. We worship God and we doubt. I was raised outside of the church, so I have kind of this deep-seated skepticism. And part of me always doubts. Worship. And I doubt. Gosh, but when we look at those first disciples that the kids helped share the story, they went out and they told the, they told the stories and they invited people into discipleship. They were disciples making disciples and it did have an impact. It had a huge impact. 
They went with the entirety of their lives, and they made disciples with the entirety of their lives. And we are here to show how much that mattered. We are their spiritual descendants. We make disciples when we live as disciples and when we share our faith. And this morning, we get to hear about... So you can come sit over here. this mic. Is it working? Can people hear you? Yes. <laughs> so Gary, you have been, um, you sing in the choir, you play guitar, you're married to Gail, who's not here today, serves on leadership team. She left me today, yesterday, <laughs> but we'll be back Sunday. And you've served on leadership team, haven't you? Yes. All right. Yes. Okay, so first hear about Jesus Christ and what was your I had an aunt who lived in Meridian where they had a 60 acre dairy farm where Home Depot and Winco is and I would go visit them because I liked my uncle and I liked the cows and so we would go off to uh, Meridian Methodist and, and uh, that's where I first learned I was small I really didn't know what to think at that time so it was pleasant. It wasn't, what do I want to say? It wasn't really, um, it wasn't bad. It was really a good thing. There was a lot of people there. My aunt and uncle were quite active in the church, and um, they had a lot of friends there, and they accepted me. So that was my first impression of religion. What, what made I have kind of a checkered past. I know that nobody else out there has one of those. <laughs> but uh, I decided I was, oh gosh, probably 47, 48. And I, I had gone to church off and on, various churches, Methodist churches, uh, Nazarene churches. And... Um, it wasn't fitting, and maybe I just wasn't ready at that time to take a look at myself and what other possibilities are. So I finally decided to uh, take a look again. Um, my wife and I had divorced, and um, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe there's something better out there. Maybe there's something different. And so I did a little research on churches at that time, and I kept coming back to the Methodist Church. And uh, that's where I met Gail. And uh, the more I listened to what uh, the ministers had to say, and uh, I thought, I can accept this. Do I have questions? Oh, yeah. Those <laughs> of you who are in Bible study with me, well, I pose many questions. And I think that's a good thing. I think blind acceptance of everything, whether we're talking politics, child rearing, child, uh, religion, whatever, I, I think you should question things that go along. Um, prior to that, I had two real God experiences. 
as a young man, I used to ride motorcycles a lot. And uh, one time I was driving my motorcycle up um, on 13th Street in Hyde Park. And I was following too close, and there was a lady ahead of me. And oh, it would have been like a 1974 Buick, you know, just a huge thing, like a tank going down there. And narrow streets. And, um, well, I was a young man then, and... Uh, an attractive lady caught my eye on the sidewalk. <laughs> and I didn't notice that that Buick had stopped. Mm -hmm. And somehow, I swerved to the passenger side of that car. There was a parked truck there with the big old West Coast mirrors hanging out there. And somehow, I made it through there, unscathed, scared. And I, I really had to give that some thought. Yeah, how did I do that? Was that me? No, I don't think it was me driving that motorcycle at the time. Later, let's see, this would have been in 1978. Uh, my first daughter was born. The uh, pregnancy was normal. My wife, everything was normal. But upon delivery, they, they kept act, uh, when she was going into labor, uh, the, uh, the attendants there asked, well, has her water broke? No, her water didn't break. And what it was, the little girl was born without kidneys, and she survived for about one day. And the, the odds of that is one in 250,000 at that time. And I felt tremendous sadness. I also felt peace. And I knew I wasn't alone there. So... I've had some experiences, and finally, I guess I, I was ready to listen more rather than take it on myself. Any what? more questions? I have more questions. <laughs> One more. Oh, great. <laughs> What's God teaching you about discipleship now? He is teaching me to be there. To be active. Um, going back, um, let's see, I don't know where to begin here. I've been involved in visitation ever since I've been involved in church, in Methodist church. And that's been a good thing. And most of the time, visitation through the church, and also I was also a volunteer for St. Luke's Hospice for about 15 years. And um, that was hard work, but it was fulfilling, and it gave me really a sense of being as well, of helping others. And that's, that's kind of the knack that I have, is that I can usually, not always, mind you, fit in somewhere and uh, put people at ease. Now, Gail might disagree with that at times, but <laughs> that's a special case. But uh, through volunteering like that and then learning to play the guitar, I was about, you no, know, 63 or 64 when I actively started playing a guitar. And the music ministry that I do as well with the visitation and at times here and with uh, the... GPS group in the summer. Um, it just gives me an extra boost. 
Now, something else I can tell you too, that with the visitation in hospice and the homebound and so forth, that is hard work. And afterwards, I need just a little bit of time for downloading, just for collecting myself and going, because at that point, it is hard work. Um, other community efforts that I have done, um, I'm the match director out at the Blacks Creek Range, and I've been uh, directing shooting matches for, oh, since about 2005. And that is hard work as well. You've got to be on the line. You've got to be on top of your game the whole time so that no one gets hurt. That is also gives me a purpose in the community and giving back. So that's kind of where I've come from. I think it's better to give back um, for me. I know some people who choose, and I do use the term choose, not to get out there and help others. So, and maybe that's just their makeup, but uh, it's something that, that I need to do, something that I can do, and I know I'm not alone. At the end of visitations, um, what I do is I will offer prayer, offer, offer uh, whoever I'm visiting prayer, rather than saying, can I pray for you? Uh, do you want a prayer? Whatever. Can I offer prayer? And I'm not really great at... Uh, praying out loud like that, so what works for me is just to be quiet, take a deep breath, and just wait a minute, and something comes. So, so that's kind of where I've come from, and still am. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor called me last week and wanted to know if I'd be willing to come up and do this. And I said, sure. And I got to thinking, well, I told her one time, if there's something you need me to fill in for, I'm your guy. I can do that. And uh, when she asked me to do this, there was a, oh, a touch of terror, you know, <laughs> in me. <laughs> and she asked me, she said, do you want to know what questions I'm going to ask you? And I said, no. So I had no idea what she was going to say, and um, I think I would have been, the terror level would have been a little bit higher had I known what she was going to ask. So thank you very much. Thank you. It changes us to hear the faith of others. We make disciples when we live as disciples and when we share our faith. We're going to be doing some more of that in the coming weeks. Those of you who've already been asked now know the questions, so hopefully the terror isn't too high. So think about you sharing the good news, the good news of the gospel, you actively inviting others to discipleship. Maybe you have gone so long of not talking about your faith that it's just kind of hard to get started. And it is. There's, you know that old saying that there's two things you never talk about in polite conversation, politics and religion. I have an old friend, Jim Holden, who said only the two most important things to ever talk about. <laughs> and we really don't talk about 
that generally in conversation, while our country has become more and more divided. Today, it's not okay to hate people for their religion, but it appears we do think it's okay to hate people for their opinions. So we need to talk about it so that we can learn how to oppose ideas without hating. Maybe for you talking about your faith, that you love God, but you're just unsure. It's nice to know those first disciples who were, you know, saw Jesus in the flesh, had some doubts as well. And that God actually does not need our certainty. God doesn't need us to know that we're right or that we know everything. We don't even need to be certain that we're making a difference. When we leave a review online, we're not certain it's going to make a difference. We don't know if it's going to change people's lives, but we do it because we want to be part of a community that helps each other. Maybe you're in a place where you are wondering if God even matters. You're thinking, how can I make disciples when I just don't feel like a disciple myself? And yet you are here, wondering, wondering what is God up to? Not a task on a to-do list, but the entirety of your life And I will tell you right now, the day you decide to give God an inch, God is going to take a mile. And so I have a challenge for all of us, all of us who have grown up with this and been enculturated with this, to say God in conversation, to speak about God in conversation once a day. To get used to just talking about God, even if what we're saying is about our doubts or our uncertainties or our, th- that we don't believe in God, to just talk about God once a day. So we at least get up to the level of the atheist, how much we talk about God. And I'm going to finish this morning with Jesus' last words in the gospel. After commissioning those first disciples, after commissioning us, he promises to be there with us. In the entirety of our going, in the entirety of our making disciples, he promises to be with us always to the end of the age, to the completeness of eternity. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crosswaite. CUNY United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.